Hello, this is Reverend John Harfouche, and you're listening to the Christian Harfouche Ministries podcast. We have a message for you today from Pastor Christy Amira Harfouche. For more information, live broadcasts, and video teachings, connect with us online at globalrevival.com and join us every week for the Christian Harfouche Ministries podcast. If there has ever been a time where we need to understand what spiritual warfare is, that time is now. The Bible said that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty. Now, if we have weapons and they are not physical or carnal or something we can touch or something we can see or something we can handle, then those weapons must be in the realm of the spirit. So we have to learn how do we utilize the weapons that we have been given by God Not only so that we can live a victorious life, but so that we can help others live a victorious life. God makes us a victor so that we can be the champion for somebody else. He makes us a leader so that we can help lead our family, help lead our city, help lead our people, help lead those around us into more of God. And how many of you know that it's easy to react in the flesh. How many of you know that it doesn't take any training to react? You know, you, 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 you can react in the natural. You could react in anger or react in fear or react in sorrow, right? But none of those things are spiritual and none of those things are mighty. All of those reactions will be overcome by whatever comes at them because they do not carry the answer. So we have to be people that do not react according to the circumstance, but we act according to our faith that overrides the circumstance, that outlasts the circumstance. So how do we do that? And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about the application of faith. You know, I'm one of those people that learns by doing. You know, there's different kinds of uh, learners. There's those who learn by hearing, learn by seeing. I have to touch it. I have to do it. That's how I learn. And so, so how many of you know that to a certain extent, that's how we all really learn? Because it's one thing to know how. It's another thing to do. And so, so that's what we're going to be focusing on today. So if you go to Genesis in chapter 1 and verse 28, uh, it says, are you there? Yes. Amen. It says, and God blessed them. Global Church, you go with us. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Now we have to see that God gave mankind the earth. Then he gave mankind a commission. Hit the person next to you and say, none of us are without purpose. If you want to take your first note, the first note is that purpose is the antidote. If you don't have purpose, you will always be someone that is succumbing to what comes at you. But when you have purpose, you are what goes at it. (laughs) How many of you know it's not the circumstance that comes your way? It's the overcomer within you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so maybe when you talk about purpose, maybe many people don't know what their specific purpose is. Well, you don't need to know your specific purpose in order to have purpose. You can see that there were five things that God told Adam and Eve to do. Number one, be fruitful. You could take that note. Be 
fruitful. Now somebody said, uh, yeah, but he's talking about children. Yes, he's talking about children, but that's not all he's talking about. He didn't say, he didn't just give them dominion over mankind. He gave them dominion over everything in the earth. Be fruitful. What that means is whatever your hands touch, God wants to prosper. Whatever he puts in front of you, God wants you to bless it. God wants you to multiply it. God wants you to be fruitful in your job, fruitful in your life, fruitful with what you have. Hallelujah. And there's a principle in the word of God, and it says that if we're faithful in the least, he'll make us faithful over much. So what that means is we start where we are with what we have. And we bless that. Blessing, literally, to bless something literally means to speak well of. Now, our language, and, and, most, and I would say every language, is limited. We know that blessing is not just to speak well of, but that's the only definition that we have. Well, how many of you know that when God speaks well of something, that word has power? Well, when we speak well of something, our words have power. Just think about the, the, the and I don't want to get too heavy, but think about a child who grows up being abused verbally. That will affect them for the rest of their life unless God heals that. Why? Because what you speak has power. And so the reason that I stopped and said that, because if we don't speak well of what we have, where we are, then we will never be faithful over that, and we will never grow from that to more. What you have and where you are is important because that is where God has brought you at this moment. That doesn't mean it's the destination. But how many of you know that when you have a seed and you need a tree, the seed is not enough? And, and you know, those of you who know faith, you're like, well, wait, yeah, the seed is enough. But it's not enough right then. You can look at that and you could say, what is this? I need a tree. I need branches. I need, I need shade from the sun. I need fruit. I don't need a seed. But if God gave you a seed, how many of you know you got to use that seed? You got to plant that seed if you ever want to have a tree. So you can't curse what God's given you. You got to bless it. Hallelujah. And so be fruitful. That means that wherever you are, faith can be fruitful. Doesn't matter what kind of walls are in your way. It doesn't matter what kind of enemies are against you. God will make you fruitful when you rely on him. So what is your purpose? Your purpose is to bless what you have, honor God with what you have and who you are. Right? That's purpose. I got purpose. How many of you have purpose? Then number two, multiply. Now, to be fruitful means to bring forth fruit or make fruitful or grow or increase. But multiply means to be or become much, many or great. Bring in abundance to increase. So how many of you see that that's another level? You should be fruitful and multiply. And then number three, are you taking notes on this? Number three is replenish. That means to accomplish, to fulfill, to fill or to furnish. Now, why didn't God just do that? Why did God plant a garden, put Adam and Eve in the garden, and then give them a commission? Because Adam and Eve are not God's pets. See, we can't believe in a good God and also believe that God controls everything. Now, I know that by saying that, I stepped into a very tough theological uh, debate, but I'm just going to avoid it. Because what I mean is that God cannot give you free will and then do everything for you. He can't give you free will and then make up your mind for you. How many of you know if you have free will, but you can only make one choice, it's not free will. If it's a democracy, but there's only one person on the ballot, it's not a democracy. (laughs) The, the, The choice has to be there. 
And so men and women, we have a choice whether we're going to serve God. And when we use our will and we put our will with God, there is nothing that can overcome that power. That is the greatest choice that you can make. God said, choose now this day, life or death, blessing or cursing. And then he said, choose life because he gave us a little cheat there. He gave us, you know, the answer. Hallelujah. So in other words, God didn't put them in, in, in a, uh, uh, what, what are those things you, you know, you put the, the, the pets in a, 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 a terrarium. Is that what it's called? No. Terrarium. You know, he didn't just put them in a terrarium, you know, and they, you know, no, they, they had to, they had to manage it. And then that's, that's where we go into the, the next word, the next. So they had to replenish the earth. Hit the person next to you say, wake up, you need this. This is important because if God gives you grass and then you complain because it's not green and he gave you all the tools necessary to make your grass green. But how many of you know that that's how many people pray? Listen, your grass will be green when you start blessing it, when you start watering it, when you start taking care of it. That's when your grass becomes green. And the greatest brown grass experience of most Christians is themselves. Because they won't talk mean to their kids. They won't talk bad over their spouse. They won't even talk bad over the house of God, most good Christians. But they will allow the enemy to inspire them to say negative things about themselves. If you are negative about yourself, you will never grow past those negative words because your mouth is your rudder. Your mouth is going to take you where you're going in life. And so if you are abusing the vehicle that God has given you, if you are abusing your own self, then how can you expect to be what God has called you when you won't call yourself that? So you gotta be, you gotta be positive about what, who God has made you. You may not be a saint, but you're not what you were. How many of you know that when when your child learns to walk, when they fall down, you don't say, what is wrong with you? You imbecile. What are you doing with those feet and those legs? No, how many of you know that you recognize the fact that they are learning? You recognize the fact that it's a lot better than when they were on their belly and they just learned how to pick their neck up and that was all that they could do. (laughs) How many of you know they've come a long way? Well, the same thing is true with you. You've come a long way. You're not who you used to be. You've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And you may not know everything, but you are worthy to be blessed with your own mouth. You can say, I'm called of the Lord. He chose me. He designed me. He foreknew me. Hallelujah. And so we, we, we cannot override our own mouth. It's our mouth, right? And so we're going to get into that, but we're in, we're in replenish. So that's, that's the first thing we have to know is that the, the grass that God has given us is our grass. It's our grass. If we need it to be greener, we believe God for it to be greener. And we speak well of that grass. We speak well of it. We, you know, if you if you you know you need a new vehicle, you're not happy with your vehicle. Don't curse the vehicle. Just say thank you, Lord, that you brought me this vehicle. I am happy that I have a vehicle. Now I call this vehicle blessed. But I thank you, Lord, that you said that if I'm faithful, if I'm a good steward over this vehicle, that you will make me faithful over a better vehicle. You know that I need a better vehicle. But I thank you for this. How many of you understand the concept? It's the same thing is true with you. Because for some reason, the church, uh, many people believe that humble, to be humble is just to speak bad of yourself. We think somehow it's holy to speak negative about yourself. Why would God call you a holy people and then want you to disagree with him? 
Why would it be humble to disagree with God? That's rebellion. You're a little rebel. You're not humble. <laughs> you, 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 because how many of you know that righteousness is a gift from the Lord? God said that Jesus Christ, he took sin on himself. He bore our iniquities. He bore our griefs. He bore our pains. He carried it, right? And he became sin so that we may be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So our righteousness is based on his finished work. That means if Jesus did a good job, how many of you feel that Jesus did a good job? How many of you feel he was the perfect offering? He paid the full price. Well, how many of you know that if he paid the price so that you would be called righteous, then you have no business calling yourself anything less than righteous. You are not big enough to outdo what Jesus did on the cross. Hallelujah. Now, how many of you are following me? Now, you know that that does not mean that I think you should live anything less than God's best for you in every area. We, we abhor sin, right? We leave it. We flee from it. We understand that. But we talk well of ourselves. And if we do fall, we get right back up. Right? And you know what I mean by falling. I'm talking about like, you know, having a negative thought or like, you know, getting upset at somebody, that's tripping, you know? If you, if you find yourself in like, you know, a situation where, you know, it took like 500 trips to get there, that's not called falling. That's called strategic planning to end up in the wrong situation. So now that we got that handled, how many of you are with me? All right, so number four, Subdue, subdue that to this word is amazing because we're talking about Adam and Eve in what we think of as paradise. And that word subdue means to bring into bondage, to keep under or to conquer. So even in the most perfect of situations, If God's authority, if the authority he gave Adam and Eve went without application, if they didn't take their authority to subdue the land, then the land would subdue them. And that's what happens in every situation in life. We have to take the authority that God gives us and we have to be stewards over that land. We have to subdue that land. And number five, to have dominion. And this word literally means to reign, rule, dominate, or subjugate. So God made Adam and Eve rulers. Everything he gave them was a blessing, don't you think? But even what God gives as a blessing is not a blessing if we do not allow the authority God gave us to take rulership over it. And the reason that I'm talking about this is because I'm going to be talking about the realm of our thinking. And this is, I think, the perfect example because you see the Garden of Eden is a beautiful place, right? It's filled with blessings. Just like God, just like the life that God has given us, we have a new life. When we are born from above, we're translated from the kingdom of darkness and we're brought into the kingdom of light. All things are new. All things are passed away. God has given us healing. He's given us prosperity. He's given us salvation. And they're all in the, tre- the trees of the garden. Now, how many of you understand? They're fruit for us. They're, give- they're gifts to us. But unless we learn that the garden of our mind has to be lorded over And somebody said, well, Pastor Christy, I don't want to be the Lord of my mind. I want God to be the Lord of your mind. Well, the only way that God is going to have his way in your, you know, how how many of you know, you know, they got this song, Jesus, take the wheel. (laughs) Jesus doesn't want to take the wheel. 
Jesus wants you to be sensitive enough and mature enough to hear him tell you which way to go with the, uh, the wheel that he gave you charge over. He gave you the wheel. And everybody's like, I don't want it. I don't want it. You take it. But how many of you see that he gave us rulership? He gave us dominion. And, and the first place that we have to use that authority and that dominion is our mind. See, it's very simple. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is Lord, there is liberty. Right? So how many of you say, okay, well, that's a great principle. Anywhere that God has lordship, there's freedom. But God gave you stewardship over what he has given you. So in order for God to be Lord in your life, he has to be the Lord of lords. You have to take your place as a ruler in your life and live in the authority that God has given you because he's not going to usurp the authority he gave you. So we're all asking God to take over our minds and he doesn't want to take over your mind. He wants you to use your authority to take his uh, faith and his word and put it in your mind because he gave you your mind. He doesn't want to take back the authority he gave you. He gave us a will. And that now, 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 how many of you know that the spirit of God is above our own ability? It's not by our might. It's not by our power. It's by the spirit. I'm not taking that out. But I'm saying that unless you say yes to the spirit, the spirit doesn't move in your life. Right? The Virgin Mary had to say, let it be unto me according to your word. How many of you are with me? Any questions so far? Amen. If you do have questions, write them down. We'll talk about them afterwards. So let's go right now to, uh, yeah, let's go to James and chapter 3. And we're going to talk a little bit about the tongue because, you know, when you are, when you're training in, in really anything, there is a, when you train so that your reactions change, like say, say you're training for, um, say you're training in music. Well, you, you, you sit there and you play something over and over and over and over again so that when you're not thinking about it, that's what you do. So that you are trained to react that way. Now, the, well, Why am I saying that? Because when we get into the word of God, there is a training. The Bible said that our mind is renewed. It's transformed by the renewing of our mind. Our lives are transformed by the renewing of our mind to the word of God. So what do I mean? I mean that when you came into Christ, you may have had a different vocabulary. When you got upset, you may have spewed out different words. You were trained. You had another training. But now when you enter into the word of God and you enter into the house of God and you enter in the, to the life of God, well, now we have to re, we have to train ourselves in the things of God. That's why when you hear the word of God, now, I'm, how many of you understand, you lift your right hand and say, Pastor Christie Pastor Christy is, is not talking about, talking about natural, natural methods, methods without, without the spirit. How many of you know that if you just memorize scripture, you just become a parrot, a parrot of the word of God, you may not actually have an understanding of the word of God. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm talking about is that there is a training to your life. And you grow in that because you utilize the word of God. And what I mean is that when trouble comes at you, you may have, you, you used to react a certain way. But now trouble comes at you and you spit out what the word of God says about it. And you react that way because you have filled your life with a storehouse of treasure that when it's squeezed, it comes out. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. And that's what the word of God is like. It, and it, it transforms us. So in James in chapter 3, in verse 2, it says, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Now stop. All right. Bridle the tongue, bridle the body. Bridle the tongue, bridle the body. Is that too simple? Bridle the tongue, bridle the body. This is a, this is a perfect man. And we're going to look at how, to, how do I bridle my tongue. Because, you know, people get this idea. They're like, I'll just stop talking. <laughs> but how many of you know that as, as much as negative words are negative to your life, positive words are positive to your life. So you can't just stop talking. Because how many of you know that not having a direction is almost as bad as going in the wrong direction. If you don't go anywhere, what does it matter? That's not what you're called to. Let your hands up to heaven and shout glory three times. Glory, glory, glory. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships which... Though they be so great and are driven by fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. How many of you see these analogies? So this mighty ship is moved about by a tiny rudder. Well, if the key to our direction in life is our mouth, then we need to understand, then how do we bridle it? And I'll tell you a key. It is not just self-control. Now, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. We're thankful for it. But there are other keys. It says uh, in Matthew and chapter 12, and verse 34, when you're there, Shout hallelujah loud enough to scare the person next to you. Hallelujah! It says, oh, how many of you know Jesus is talking to the Pharisees here, not you? He says, oh, generation of vipers. How can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So how many of you can imagine your life? Now, this is, this is kind of a funny analogy, but we're going to go ahead and give it. How many of you can imagine your life as a sponge? All right, and you squeeze that sponge, and how many of you know whatever is in that sponge comes out? You get a cup under that sponge, and you squeeze that sponge. Whatever's in the sponge comes out. The sponge has no say-so about what comes out of the sponge. It's what went in. What went in the sponge is what's going to come out of the sponge. And so you, you, I know that you say, well, no, Pastor Christie, I have a choice about what comes out of my mouth. Well, that's true. But at the end of the day, what you put in is what is going to come out. Now, it may not, you may not have a choice about when it comes out. What I mean is that there are things that happen reactionary. There are things that you say in the heat of a discussion, in the heat of a conversation, when you're praying in the Holy Spirit. This is what is important. I'm going to stop and, and make this point. This is why we cannot only pray in tongues. Because when you pray in tongues, your understanding, the Bible said, is unfruitful. But when you pray in, that's why it says praying in our, in your understanding also praying in the spirit, praying in our understanding also. Why? Because the spirit will build up your spirit. God will know what you're praying, right? But you pray in the spirit and then you pray in your understanding because there are things in your life that you have to address. You have to pray them out. You have to address them. Most of the time when we are ever dealing with 
confusion or, or double-mindedness. You know, how many of you have ever, you don't have to raise your hand, how many of you have ever experienced double-mindedness about something and it seems like it doesn't matter what you do, you are double-minded about it. You cannot seem to set your mind on a decision. Well, what is that? Well, that is because you have had seeds put in your life, whether on purpose or not, that were against that decision. And so you have two different trees, so to speak, growing in your thought life, two different seeds that are trying to bear fruit. So what do you do? Well, you feed your faith and you allow that other that double mind, that other mind, the, the other decision that won't seem to agree with God, you, you go directly at it in the spirit. So you, in, in other words, uh, this is practical night, right? All right. So if you have a specific, if the enemy has sowed a seed of doubt or fear in your life, and you know what it is, you know exactly what it is, and it, 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 it's a concern, and, you know, as people of faith, you want to be like, I don't have a concern. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I never had that thought ever in my life. But you know that in the back of your mind, there's a concern or there's a fear or there's something there that you try to keep covering up and keep just avoiding and keep speaking positively, but it's there. Well, what do you do about that? Well, you don't just avoid it. When you're in prayer, you pray in the Holy Spirit, and then you go dead on to whatever that fear and whatever that concern is, and you say, I know what you are, and I reveal you for what you are, and you are a lie because the word of God says boom, 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 and you machine gun kill that thing. That was my machine gun. I know it was terrible, but you, you go after that thing, whatever that thing is. You know, it, whatever that thing is, and you nail that in the spirit, you use your tongue to reinforce what God has spoken in your life, and you take authority over that. The Bible said that what you bind on earth is bound in heaven, and what you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And we do that with our mouth. So, so there are times where you have a thought pattern that's in your life, that, that you really want to see leave. Well, what do you do? Well, if you can locate where it's coming from, you could cut off the source. Yeah. And so it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. So that's why the, the word of God says that, that the psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. Why? Because he knows that what he puts in and hides is what will come out of his mouth and what will direct his life. So it is what we believe and keep and protect that, that impacts what kind of person we grow into and what kind of life we lead. Listen, never let a thought pattern of fear or anxiety or anger or resentment or unforgiveness to continue yapping in your mind. Now listen, let's be real. Sometimes you have to forgive somebody every day. The disciples asked Jesus, how many times do we have to forgive someone every day? Every day. Lavelle, you know that they must have wanted to find out when they could be like, okay, I do not forgive them now. <laughs> they wanted to count and find that one time where they did not have to forgive them anymore. Listen, it's, this is the walk of faith. Hit the person next to you and say, it's called the good fight of faith. I think sometimes people quit because they think, well, there's something wrong with me. I've forgiven this person 500 times and I can't seem to leave it. No, listen, there's nothing wrong with you. It's called the good fight of faith. Sometimes you have to do something multiple times. 
Sometimes you have to do something multiple times every day. Sometimes you have to forgive the same person at breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day. I'm not talking about multiple things that you have to forgive them for. I'm talking about it could be one thing that happened 20 years ago that you have to keep on remembering to forgive them of. And you were like, when, am I ever going to get over it? Yes, you will. You will get over it. You will. But how many of you know that sometimes you can be free of something? And that does not mean that the enemy won't try to remind you of it. The, just because the enemy is tempting you in a, in a specific way does not mean you have that problem. It means you're being tempted. Being tempted is not sinning. Sinning is sinning. How many of you know what the Bible says? Resist the devil and he will flee. So, so why did I say that? <laughs> because you have to know that there's nothing wrong with you. If you have to forgive over and over again, just do it. Just do it. Listen, you know what? When you weed the garden, do you have to, is that it? Or do you have to, some, you have to come back out and to pull the weeds out again? It's, it's just like that. How many of you know when you cut your hair, men? Do you, do you have to, is that it? You never have to cut your hair again? No, you have to continually cut your hair. How about your beard? Don't most men have to shave their beard every day? Did you shave it yesterday? Do you still have to shave it today? Why are the men so quiet? Do we have no men that grow facial hair in here? <laughs> Don't make me ask the women. So we'll have some honest women in here. We'll be like, yeah, we have to. How many of you, how many of you know? Because, because just because something tries to resurface, the Bible talks about other, other enemies coming and sowing seeds. Listen, you can't live in a bubble. There are going to be seeds sown that you have to rip up. There's going to be visuals that you see that preach a different sermon to you. You're going to get around people that have uh, uh, problems and you're going to have to know that that's not your future. And so every seed, we just have to be good gardeners. That's why the Bible talks about taking into captivity every thought. Right? And so out of the abundance of the, the heart, the mouth speak it. So that's good. That means that if you speak something and you go, where did that come from? Then you can know, all right, there was something in there that I did not plant and that God did not plant. And how many of you know, if it's your garden, you can rip that weed out. You rip that weed out. Say, no, nothing runs in my family. I don't care who died at what age. He said, with long life, he would satisfy me. You got to rip that weed out. You got to say, no, no, a virus might be going around, but it's not going around me. It's not coming to my house. It's not touching my body. It's not touching my family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You got to know what your uh, promise is, and you have to weed your garden from what doesn't belong in your life because what goes in, you're going to speak, and what you speak will direct your life. Now, that word, out of the abundance of the heart. You with me still? Yes. Do you have just a few more minutes? Yes. I'm going to wrap it up soon. Lift your hands up and shout glory three times. Glory, glory, glory. I just want to stop here for one more minute. There is nothing wrong with you. Fighting the good fight of faith is something we all have to do. It's not that you got something wrong with you. If you have something deep-rooted, listen, you just keep digging at it. This room, how many of you know you just keep digging at it? Just keep digging at it. Just keep forgiving. 
Just keep, just keep believing. Just keep pressing forward. There's nothing that can, will not be revealed as you get closer and closer to the Lord. It will come out, and that's a good thing. And so you just don't quit. You do not quit. Don't ever think this is too hard. No, hard is de being defeated. Hard is not having a promise. Hard is not knowing what God has given you. Hard is just laying down and getting buried underneath the circumstance. That's hard. You are not a victim. You are more than a conqueror. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. Hallelujah. And you, you and I have got to have faith for both the immediate manifestation of miracles and the walking out of the process. Hallelujah. Because both are important. Both are important. And they're both a part of the walk of faith. They're both a part of the walk of faith. And so abundance of the heart, that word is the word thesauros. It's the word we we took from the Greek and, and, and got our word thesaurus. It means a treasure, a storehouse for precious things. The heart. Your heart. The Bible says that, that out of your heart flow the issues of life. Many of you know in your heart, that's where you store precious things. That's why you got to pray in the spirit and pray in your understanding. Because listen, you don't, you, when you pray in the Holy Spirit and then you switch over into English, you'll find out really fast what's in your heart. You'll find out very fast what's in your heart. And most of the time, I'm going to tell you, Christian, you will be pleasantly surprised. You will be shocked how much word you stored up in there. It'll come out. And when it comes out, you will know, you'll know, my God, my life is heading in that direction. I know what the word of God says for me. I know what my, my covenant is with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so that, that is your, your heart is a storehouse for precious things. Just lay hands on your heart and say, my heart, my heart is, a is a storehouse for precious things. For precious things. The NIV says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The fruit of our lips is the byproduct of the seed we store in our hearts. That's why we have to guard our hearts. You know, I, I, uh, I, I'm rem reminded of a story. My, my brother and I went to summer camp, and there was a young man. He was probably about 13 or 14, and he was in my brother's dorm. Uh, at summer camp, and he he was very um, he would listen to a lot of rap. Now, listen, I I don't have a problem with the style, but I do have a problem with angry, violent uh, lyrics that are filled with profanity and cursing and all those things. Now, he had his earbuds in all the time, all the it was just it was constant. It was constant. And don't think well, she's picking on an African American. For your information, the boy was Asian. Okay. <laughs> Because if he was African-American, I'm sure his mama would have slapped those earbuds right out his head. But anyway, so he had them in all, and you know, I love you Asian people. Everyone here is, you're great. Okay. But he, he had his earbuds in all the time. And one night in the middle of the night, they heard him rapping in his sleep with every curse word, every bit of every violent lyric, he knew them verbatim, and he was completely and totally asleep. Now, what do you think that kind of garbage does in a person's life? And your heart is a treasure chest. What is in there will come out and it will direct your life. And they had to wake him up and they had to tell him, listen, you, you were, this is what you were saying. 
And he said, no, no, I, I was asleep. No, you don't understand. You said every, every curse word, every word in every lyric, you were rapping it perfectly and you were completely asleep. Now, why did I say that? Because what we meditate on, what we listen to, what, what we put in our heart, that's why it's so important to listen to the word of God. And that's why it's so important not just to listen to the word of God, but pray out the word of God. That's why we don't play around with our lyrics in praise and worship. We, we, don't, we don't sing things over and over and over and over again about being a sinner or about being lost or about being under, under sorrow or about being anxious or about being fearful. We don't sing that. That doesn't mean that there are moments in our life where we feel that. It doesn't mean that there are moments in our life where we pour our heart out to God, but we don't live there and we don't meditate on it and we don't put it in our heart over and over and over and over and over again. Hallelujah. Because what you put in, uh, how many of you know that, that, that if you stare at a light for a very long time, when you close your eyes, you'll still see that light. How many of you know that if you have something pressing against you, that imprint will stay on you? Well, the Bible said, this is the covenant that I will make with them in those days. I will write my laws in their heart and in their mouth, in their mind. And so that's what we've got to know. Our heart is not the place to have a word of doubt and a word of faith. Uh, we cannot be the devil's advocate and go in one direction with God. We've got to stay on course. We've got to guard our heart from fear, guard our heart from anxiety. And listen, if you're in an area or, or in a business or in a job where you have to be around people that speak negativity all the time, you have got to guard your heart. You have got to learn to use your mouth against those seeds in your life. You've got to get up and pray in the Holy Spirit and walk your ground and say, you know, I thank you, Lord, that you took stripes on your back and by your stripes I am healed. I thank you, Lord, that you gave me authority to cast out devils and to heal the sick and to speak with new tongues and whatever that thing is, if there is ever an area of doubt or an area of fear or an area of anger, go at it head on. Go at it head on. Speak to it. Amen. You speak to it in prayer. And, and there's one, one more thing I'm, I'm going to go to and then I'll, I'll close with this because I'll, next week, I want to talk more about uh, uh, how, how to meditate on the word because that's, so, that's what we have to do. All right, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go there. Go to 1 Corinthians in chapter 14 and we'll, we'll end with this. Is this helping anybody tonight? Yeah. First Corinthians I know I told you to go to First Corinthians, but if I go there, we're going to be another 20 or 30 minutes. So go to Psalm 119 and we'll end with this. Hallelujah. So how many of you see that, that it isn't so much controlling your thought life? It's just putting the right input in. And so that's so important because sometimes we think that, oh, I got to get control, you know. I, I got I to gotta get on top of this. I got to control my thought life. I got to do all these. Well, how many of you know that every time that, that you try to control something, uh, well, most of the time it doesn't work? <laughs> Why? Because you're living and, and your thought life is moving and, and you're, 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 you know, what you need to do is just put the right things into your thought life. And if you have to shut off certain things, I know I, I mentioned music because music is, a, is powerful. See, what people don't know about music is that, uh, you know, well, I'll just tell you. The way that music, the way that you hear music is because God made your body. The way your ear is formed 
it is formed with the same mathematics that harmony is built off of. So you have to understand that music speaks to your anatomy and then the lyrics speak to your understanding. So it is as if you are subconsciously open to whatever that message is. And so you have to be very careful about what kind of lyrics and music you're listening to because you'll find out that you are feeling some things that are not yours. They're coming through what you're hearing. The same thing is true with movies and music and TV shows. I don't care what the world thinks is okay. If it's not okay to you and to your spirit, you shut it off. Young people, I don't care what your friends are watching. I do not care what they're watching, and I don't care what they call you. I don't care if they call you a goody two-shoes. I don't care if they say you're uncool. Get over it. Your heart is a treasure, and they may not understand that, but you've got to understand that, and you've got to protect the direction of your life because you're not going down, you're going up, and that is based on what you put in your tank. The fuel that you got is uh, going to take you where you're going. So, you know, you know, people, what's wrong with me? Well, maybe there's nothing wrong with you. Maybe you're just putting in the tank some things that don't belong. Maybe you're fighting battles that you don't have any business fighting. Maybe you're fighting feelings that are not yours. You got to just turn it off. You got to judge it and you got to just turn it off. You know, hallelujah. Doesn't, doesn't, I'm going to stop now. I'm going to stop. Psalm 119 and verse 11 Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. And that word hid is the word tzaphan, to hide, treasure up, hoard, or reserve. How many of you want to hoard the good news in your heart? You want to reserve God's plan for your life. You want to hide and treasure up what he has to say about you. Thanks for joining us on the Christian Harfouche Ministries podcast. Join us on our other podcast, Miracles Today. Connect with us at globalrevival.com and we'll see you next week.